Thanks for tuning into this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can check us out on the web at hillsideassembly.org. You're about to hear a message from our current message series, and I hope you open your heart and mind to hear a word from God today. As you all know, this is Memorial Weekend, and so what we do this weekend is remember the things that people have done um, for us to have freedom and safety and all the many blessings we have in this country. But also this morning, I want you to remember all the things that God has done throughout your life.
the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. The price for this freedom at times has been high, but we have never been unwilling to pay that price. 
the sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers bearing crosses or stars of David. They add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. Today we pray that those who lie here have found peace with their creator and we resolve that their sacrifice will always be remembered by a grateful nation. The fallen give silent witness to the price of our liberty and our nation honors them this day and every day. Tomorrow is a day that we set apart to remember those who gave their life so that others could experience freedom. I know as Pentecostal church, we're often kind of the, the mindset is we're known for our noise. But for the next 30 seconds to a minute, can we take a moment of silence to remember those who gave their life so that you and I can live in the freedom that we have? Let's do that together. I think it's great that as a nation we take a day to remember those who gave their lives in service to our country. Without that service, you and I would not have the freedom that we so richly enjoy and sometimes we take for granted. But I think it's also good to remember that there are those who have paid another price. Those who bore a burden of spiritual sacrifice so that you and I could have freedom from our sin. The men and women who shared the gospel and shared their lives with us to help us get to the point we're at today. Without them, without someone having shared the story, walked a mile with us to, to do life with us and to share the gospel with us, where would we be? This church would be empty this morning. And no greater honor should ever be given than to the sacrifice that Jesus made for you and me. Our God stepped down from on high to walk in our shoes, to shed his life, to bring about reconciliation with us so that you and I could experience spiritual freedom freedom from our sins, freedom from religion, relationship with God. How vitally, in Luke chapter 22, men that he had dreamed, and Jesus was a year's ministry, and it had cost them something to do ministry. And, and Jesus was about to walk down the road that would lead ultimately to his crucifixion, his death, and then his resurrection. 
And at this final meal that he's having with them as they're celebrating what had come and what is to come, Jesus said this, and he took bread, and when he had, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. If you get ready with the element of, of the bread, the wafer this morning, the bread symbolizes Jesus' body. We've just been working through this series in the gospel. We just recently have gone through the road to Calvary and the incredible things that Jesus endured, the brokenness that his body experienced physically, but emotionally as well. Psych psychiatrically, I mean, his, his mind, the things that he had to endure and to keep moving forward. What an amazing God we have. Let's give thanks for the endurance of Jesus, for the body he was willing to sacrifice for you and I. Lord, we thank you and we stand here this morning in remembrance of you. No greater love has ever been shown than what you did, that you came, that you died, and that you rose again. Lord, may we never forget. May we live with this in our hearts and minds daily, not just in moments where we have communion corporately, but may communion be a part of our life each and every day. We thank you for your body, which you gave up as a sacrifice for us. Let's take the bread together this morning. If you'll prepare your cup. In verse 20 of Luke 22, it says, And likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is a new covenant in my blood. Jesus would shed his blood on the cross. And there was a spiritual cost to what happened at Calvary. There was a weight put upon Jesus that not a single one of us could ever bear. The sin of all mankind rested on his shoulders. We cannot even fathom the spiritual weight. But in that moment that his blood was poured out, freedom was available for each and every person that accepts Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. What a tremendous gift his blood was. Lord, we thank you that, Lord, not only did you endure in your body, mentally, physically, emotionally, but God, spiritually, you endured. You took on the weight of our sin. And Lord, that you, your body, when it died, your blood was poured out as an offering that washes away our sin. We are tremendously grateful for the gift you have given us to be able to be reconciled with you, to have relationship with you. We give you praise, glory, and honor. Let's take of the cup this morning together. Lord, we just once again thank you as we transition to the preaching of your word. We pray that our hearts and minds are ready to receive the word that you have for us today. 
God, let us leave this place with our cups full, agenda or our own. May we pour it out in the lives of others we come in contact with this week. We give you praise, glory, and honor, and God's people said, amen. At this point, we are going to dismiss our kids downstairs. Jeb's not with us to give a dismissal today. He is working on a commercial for our outdoor services, which we'll talk about next week in depth with the message that we'll share with you next Sunday. So kids, you can go back with Miss Jackie. She is ready to go. No, all the kids are like <coughs> looking like, are we dismissed? Is this time? Yes, no. Yes, it is time. Well, I'm ready to preach the word this morning. Who's ready to hear a word from God? Well, then there was only two left. We're in the last two messages of our Just Like Jesus series as we come to a conclusion of uh, walking this road with Jesus um, and the ministry that he had, that he showed us the way to live uh, through the Gospels. And so we'll finish this up in the next two weeks. We've got a special service that we'll do on June 12th for our graduates. Amen, right? We've got people graduating. That's awesome. Uh, Two high school graduates that we'll be celebrating on the 12th. And I also saw that Aaron Granados graduated from college. So you guys are are halfway there. I mean, this is good stuff. You're doing great. Uh, Great parents over there. And so, uh, so, yeah, make sure if you see them to celebrate that. But we'll have a special celebration for our high school graduates on June 12th. And then uh, this summer, we're going to do uh, a bunch of really cool messages outside. Really excited about that. We'll have the opportunity for water baptism. We'll share about that next week as well, all summer long. Uh, so we're excited for those opportunities. And then uh, when we come back in the church launching in the fall, we're going to start a brand new series. And we're going to go through the book of Acts together. Um, I love the book of Acts because really it is the launch pad of the church. It is the story of the emerging church that Jesus now has gone back to heaven and left the church in the hands of us. (laughs) And uh, it's amazing because there's tremendous victories and then there's times where it's like, we don't know what we're doing. Um, And it took a while for the church to find its footing and to really begin to make progress forward. And I'm excited to get into that with you this fall. We're going to have a great time in the book of Acts. But let's finish out our Gospels strong. So last week, we talked about Peter going back to what he knew. And we talked about the importance of us going back to what we know when we find ourselves in places where we're broken, where we're lost. The importance of going back to church. If we ever find ourselves estranged, because life happens Uh, And we might find ourselves in the years to come in a place where we never thought we would be. But if you ever find yourself away from God to come back to a church, a Bible-believing, a Bible-preaching church that loves people and get connected, find a shepherd who can pour into your life. The importance of going back to church, the importance of getting grounded in the the Word. I will take that as an acceptable answer this morning. Thank you. Getting back into the Word of God. We need to go back to what we know, and the word will always lead us in the direction that we're to go. And finally, the importance of going back to prayer, spending time with God, not with fancy, eloquent prayers. That, the, the fancier the prayer doesn't mean the more God moves. God's looking for a heart that's honest, true, real, revealing to him. When we can get to that point in our prayer life where we're just honest with God, God can speak into our life and do some incredible things. So we're picking up here. We're going back. Uh, Last week, we talked about how Peter went fishing with several of the other disciples. After fishing all night, uh, and they had not caught anything, 
The following morning, they saw Jesus on the shore, and he told them to cast their nets on the right side of the boat. Because if you're casting on the wrong side, that's never good. Cast on the right side of the boat. That's a joke. You can laugh. I know it's not great. The material gets better, I promise. Uh, cast, your, cast your nets on the right side of the boat. They caught a multitude of fish. And that's where we're going to pick up this morning, John chapter 21, verse 7. And it says, Then the disciple, whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, His outer garment around him was far shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. This takes us to where we'll launch today, and we'll pick up in verse 15 in just a moment. If you're reading from your own Bible today, or if you've ever read from your Bible, you'll notice that uh, in certain portions of Scripture, in the Scripture that we're about to go into, there's these headlines that tell us what that Scripture is about. And the headline that uh, is over verse 15 is, Peter reinstated. I I want you to know that uh, those headlines did not always exist. In fact, uh, the original manuscripts did not have these, and they did not have verses or chapters uh, in the original text either. They weren't added until 1,500 years later, uh, and the first case would have been the Geneva Bible. And this was to make things easier. I'm not, we, thank goodness for chapters and verses, because could you imagine trying to find a, a, a verse if you didn't have the numbering? So I'm very grateful that those were added. But those headlines weren't added until later, so they weren't a part of the original text. And perhaps a better head, headline than, than saying Peter was reinstated would be this, Peter's calling reaffirmed. And this morning, I believe that's what Jesus wants to do in your life. He wants to reaffirm the calling in your life to his service. God wants to do something great in you, but then he wants to do something great through you. Now, that's not to say that every person in here is going to be called to be a full-time pastor or a full-time missionary. But every person in this place is called to serve the king. When God calls, he doesn't call you to a position or a title. I was not called to pastor. I was called to his service. I was called to his service. I was called to serve. Through his guiding, it led me to this place, being a full-time lead pastor. But the root of my calling still goes back to this, serving the king. That is the calling on every single person. Serving Jesus is not a right, it is a privilege. We should be humble that we have the opportunity to serve the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Good news this morning. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your savior, you've decided to follow him, you're called to serve. You're called to serve, and Jesus this morning wants to reaffirm your calling. Let's get into the scripture together, starting in verse 15. When they had finished eating, and that's going to be really important in just a moment, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you, Jesus said, feed my lambs. 
Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Verse 17, the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were young, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Serve Jesus unless you're following. When we don't know what to do, you know the difficult times in your life. Jesus said, follow me. Verse 20, Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? What about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Oh, let's get into today's message. The title of the message is Reaffirming Your Call to Service. Reaffirming Your Call to Service. And we're going to start with point one, which is this. You can't do ministry on an empty stomach. All of a sudden, people are like, hmm, I feel the need for lunch today. You can't do ministry on an empty stomach. The very first thing that Jesus did before he reaffirmed Peter's calling was to make sure his belly was full. Jesus doesn't start the conversation about ministry until Peter had had his breakfast. The scripture says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter. Remember, Jesus already had fish and bread on the fire. He was already prepared. He already had something for them to consume. Because it's important that we don't do ministry on an empty stomach. Too many Christians are running around today trying to serve Jesus while they are starving spiritually. Preaching the word is no longer a guarantee in a lot of churches. Even right here in our community and surrounding communities, there are people meeting together today and they won't even open the word of God. And if they do, sometimes they open the word of God to just try to justify a point of view instead of allowing the word to be the balance of our life and to give us a point of view. We now see that there are churches that are trying to say, this is what we believe. Let's see if we can make the word of God justify that if we take a scripture out of context. That's a dangerous place to be. Many churches preach political points of view, agendas, and preferences, but the problem with that is none of that feeds your soul. None of that feeds your soul. It may make you feel better when you leave. It may justify your opinion or your, your personal preferences. You go, oh, I feel good today, but you can feel good and still leave spiritually starving. Spiritually starving. Too many people who call themselves Christians and followers of Jesus are spiritually starving. They're nothing but skin and bones. I've got a picture that I want to show you this morning. 
This is the this is the least graphic picture I could show you of starving people. And it's heartbreaking. If I showed you the other ones, you'd have nightmares. And think about this for a minute. There are people running around that saying, I'm full of Jesus, but that's what they look like spiritually. Bone sticking out through the skin. Belly distended. Eye sockets. Withdrawn. Because they are not being fed. Church, we can't do ministry starving. We can't do ministry on an empty stomach. So what is the church supposed to do? What does the Bible tell us? That would be a good answer. Let's go to the Bible for answers. Can we do that? Let's do that this morning. John uh, 6.32 says, Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you bread from heaven, but it is God is the bread that said, Me will never go hungry. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. You only get fed through the word of God. It is the only thing that satisfies. Romans 10, 14. Now then, can they call on... Let's try this again. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. The word must be preached for people to be able to respond. If the gospel is not shared, how in the world can people know it? Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3. The Spirit of the Lord. God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant, the, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting, so that they will call oaks of so they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. When we come to church, it's to hear a word preached from the Bible. So that we can sit at the table of the Lord and eat the bread of life together. We come to hear about Jesus so then we can share Jesus with others. You cannot pour out what you do not have in your life already. The vessel must be filled so that it may be able to be poured out. You'll go home for lunch today. Some of you do a pitcher of water at your dining room table. You must first fill the pitcher before you can pour it into the glasses. Church, you are called to serve, but you must first be filled so that you have something to give to the community, something to give at your workplace or on your campus. Number two, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. 
Let's put it in a different way. You can go to the buffet, but you still have to choose what to put on your plate and consume. You can pay the admission to get into a buffet line. Go sit there, but if you never go up to the line and put the food on your plate and decide that you're going to eat it, you can leave hungry from the buffet, right? We've got to make a decision. See, Jesus had fish and bread already, but then he said to them, bring some of the fish you just caught. Then Peter climbed back in the boat and dragged the net ashore. There has to be an effort on our part to consume the bread of life that has been given to us, to consume it and then apply it to our life, to read the word of God, to hear the word of God, but then to do actually what it says for us to do. At our church, we don't lack in content. The buffet lines are open. Let me give you just a few examples. Every Sunday, the word is preached in this place. And while not every message may be a home run, I will say this, every week we at least get on base. Not every message is, a, is a like, oh man, that was so amazing, so incredible. But every week we're at least getting on base with the word of God because we prioritize it. Of everything that we is to preach the word of God, we have grow groups that are available on Wednesdays. We have resources we give away free Bibles right here, New Believer Bibles. These are ready. You, you can get one anytime that you want. Any guest that comes is free to have one. It's their gift. We give away a free devotional called the Purple Book, which Robbie then does a grow group class about the Purple Book. And then we offer a free streaming service called Right Now Media with over 20,000 videos available for biblical content. The problem is not that there's not food available. If you're sitting here going, I just, I attend Hillside, but I'm starving. The problem is not that there's not food. The problem might be that you're not eating. We've got to choose to eat. Hebrews 5.11. Uh, and this is, a, this is a powerful verse. Hebrews 5.11 says this, We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Nutshell teachable moment here. We've got some graduates that we're going to honor in a few weeks. Aaron just graduated from college. Now, I, I know that Lisa and Hiro have done a great job as parents, and I am pretty sure that when Aaron comes home from college to eat a meal at their house, Lisa's not there with a the spoon going, here comes the airplane. <laughs> Good job, you know? I'm pretty sure that's not happening. If it is, we probably should have a talk, but I'm pretty sure that you guys have that handled. But I think sometimes we have, we have not grown up and matured. And sometimes we can, we can say, oh, I attend church, I go to church, but we're still expecting somebody to go, here comes the airplane, come on, Jesus wants to do something in your life. Come on. We got to get the baby bottle out of our mouths after we've attended church for a little while and go, there's a responsibility on me to eat the food God has placed before me. There is a responsibility on me to have a devotional life. 
there is a responsibility on me to actually listen to the word that is preached and to do something with it. Because if I'm up here and I am preaching my guts out and I am just going after it, I'm doing everything I can, my goal, I tell my wife this all the time, my goal is at the end of service, like a sponge, I have been wrung out. There is nothing left at the end of service. I've given it all. Whether the church is completely full or there's 15 people here, I preach with the same passion and commitment and devotion to God. Squeeze me out. But it's my responsibility to be full beforehand so that there's something for God to squeeze out. And if you sit in the pew and you're just like, well, you know, Monday I've got to do this and Tuesday I've got to do that and Wednesday and by the end of service you're like, and the next Saturday I'll do this and then we're like, all right, let's pray for the offering. You're like, you know what? That service just didn't fulfill me. I did not get full. Well, maybe you got to concentrate on the word a little bit. Does that not make sense? And I'm not being ridiculed. I'm not coming down on anybody. Although if you are clipping your fingernails and toenails in church, please stop. That's gross. All right? Nobody is doing that currently, but I did have somebody in my first church that did that. I told Robbie that story uh, a while back uh, earlier this week. Don't, don't do that, okay, for Lisa's sake as she cleans the church. That's, that's nasty. Uh, don't do that. But we've got we've to take the word of God, and we've got to apply it in our life. There's an expectation that we need to mature. Let's get into the word of God, church. Let's allow ourselves to be full because we have a community that's starving. And there is a big problem when the community is spiritually starving, but the people in the churches in our community look exactly like the people in the But if you're all skin and bones, nothing for the church. Point number three, do you love Jesus? That's a question you can answer it this morning. Do you love Jesus? That same question was asked to Peter. Not once, not twice, but three times. Jesus then responds to Peter when Peter says yes with three statements, and here they are. Jesus said, feed my lambs. When Jesus said, feed my lambs, he's referring to new believers or people who have not even yet received Christ. Feed them. Feed the babes. Feed the new believers. Feed the people who have not yet received me as their Savior. The second one was take care of my sheep. This is talking about loving on people, being there, empowering them, not enabling, but empowering people, helping them walk through times of of hardship and struggles and mourning and, and being there in the times of victory to celebrate with each other, the care of others. The final thing Jesus said was, feed my sheep, feed the mature believers so that they are ready to do ministry, fill their cups so they're ready to go out. Give them vision. Help them to fulfill the calling that I'm placing on their life. If we love Jesus, that's what we do, period. That's the shortest message point I've ever preached in my life. There it is, all of it right there. If you love Jesus, feed the lambs, take care of sheep, feed my sheep. We just have to do it. There are no excuses. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. That's what we're called to do. I'll talk more about that next week. Number four, salvation is free, but ministry will cost you. Jesus said to Peter, very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourselves and you went where you wanted to go. But when you are older, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said, follow me. Ministry will cost you something. Ministry costs you time, 
It costs you energy, it costs you resources, and it costs you your life. Well, I realize the majority of us in this room will probably not have our lives taken from us because of where we stand with Jesus. You have to understand that if we are given life by Christ, we are called then to give of our life to others. And that costs us something. So many people, when they think about ministry, and especially people that are in church, they, they think of it as, oh man, that, 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 that place. They think of it as, as some type of, of, what's the word I want to use? This isn't in my notes. Um, like showy kind of thing. Like sometimes people look at me up here and they feel like, I want to do that. I want to be in front of people. I want to be loved by people. I want to be adored by people. And by the way, not everybody loves you when you're a preacher. I just want to let you know that. So if that's your idea of what you think a preacher is, let me tell you, it is not that exciting. Um, there are days where it's difficult. That's where it has to go back to. It's not about a title. It's about service. It's not, ministry is not about trying to find a title. Oh, I want to teach, or I want to do this, or I want to that. I'm not saying that God doesn't put those things and desires in us, but the core, the base that it has to be built on is humbly serving the Lord. I'm the pastor of this church, but I'll tell you what, if the toilet needs to get scrubbed during the week, I'm not afraid to do it because I'm at his service. And when God calls, I want to be available. That's the key to effective ministry is to humbly serve the Lord. It's hard. It takes time, energy, resources, our life. But I will tell you, it is worth it. But when we step into ministry, make sure you count the cost. Because if you think it's free, I will guarantee you, your ministry will not be effective. It costs us something. Remember this verse, Hebrews 6.10. You have helped his people and continue to help them. It's in those moments that I'm like, I'm not throwing in the towel because God didn't give up on me. And God's going to make it right somewhere, some way down the line. I want to tell you, in the moments where you're hurt in ministry, in the moments where you gave everything you had, you were obedient to the Lord, and it didn't pan out the way you thought, it doesn't mean that it was ineffective. Because the key, another key in ministry is obedience. Be obedient to the Lord. The outcome is not up to us. The outcome is up to Jesus. And let me tell you, Jesus himself, as he ministered, not everybody was like, I want to follow that guy. There were people that denied Jesus. There were people that treated him poorly. And you know who treated him the worst of all? Religious people. I'm going to tell you a key in ministry. Sheep bite. That's why shepherds carry a big stick. It's not, it's not for us to get angry and mad, but it's to understand human nature. And sometimes when we're ministering to people who say they know Jesus, and maybe they really do know Jesus, sometimes that's the most difficult. It's the most challenging and where we can get the most wounded but we have a good, gracious God who heals every wound, amen? And he calls us to work together and to work through hurts and pains and then to continue moving forward, and that's what we do. So just because you've been wounded in ministry, because I know there are people here who've been wounded doing ministry, 
Don't quit. God's not done using you. Take a deep breath. Let God fill you up. Let him heal some of those wounds. And then let's keep moving forward because the mission is not done. What's that song, Robin, that we sing? If you're not, if you're not dead, God's not done? Yeah, a testimony. If, if you're still breathing, God's not done with you. Final point today. Worship team, if you get ready to come back. Stop focusing on the other guy. This is the last thing that Jesus does in this passage of Scripture. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. And when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Here's Jesus saying, hey, look, ministry's going to cost you something, Peter. Ministry's going to cost you something. In the end, it's going to cost you your physical life. And Peter goes, well, well, what about Dean? What about him back there? What are you going to do with his life? Let me tell you something. You have enough to worry about in your own relationship with Jesus to worry about, to stop worrying about somebody who's actually following Jesus and concerned with them. Yet it happens all the time. There can only be one shepherd of the church. That position is currently filled, in case you were wondering. Because anything with two heads is a freak, and the church is not a sideshow act. Part of my calling is to worry about the sheep and to go, oh boy, that might be a problem. We need to step in there and handle this. But when people are honestly following God, when they love God and they're, they're expressing their worship and they don't worship like you, can I just tell you something? It's okay. The kingdom of God is big enough for us to be diverse. But sometimes when we're supposed to be worshiping, we go, well, I don't like the way that that person worships. I don't like the way that person serves. They shouldn't be serving in that area. They should be serving in this area. They should serve this way. They should do it this way. That person doesn't think like I, I think they should think. And some of us might be here this morning, and maybe you think that way about your spouse, let alone the person across the church. Let me tell you something. I'm going to give you the best advice I can possibly give you. Stop. I'm the wrong thing. Do it. That's not the way that And we get all all critical about things that don't matter. If somebody is excited, praise and worship in Jesus, and they lift their hands and they're expressive, awesome. If somebody else is quiet and reserved, I can't judge that person's heart, what's happening when God's moving in a service. That's between them and God. One is not better than the other, and the kingdom of God is big enough for both. We got to stop being critical of somebody else. And going, what about them? What is it to you if God is doing something else in someone else's life? What if he's doing something else in someone else's life? What if it's different than what he's doing in yours? And it should be. It should be different. Because we're not all at the same place. We're not all facing the exact same thing. We've got a big enough God. He's a multitasker. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You can multitask. And all the men said, thank you, because we are not multitaskers. We are one thing at a time. It does not work out well for us when we multitask. That's why we get married to women who can multitask. More truth than you needed this morning. But church, as we get ready to close today's service, I want you to know this. Jesus is reaffirming your calling. 
I'm not preaching this today to you to beat you up because I'm like, oh man, we're all messed up. Listen to Pastor Go. That's not the purpose of this. The purpose is, is that Peter was the closest disciple to Jesus. And these were the lessons Jesus was teaching him. If Peter was that close to Jesus and needed to hear this, let me tell you, we all need to hear this. We all need to hear this because we've got people to reach in our community. The job is not done. We're just getting started. We're just warming up for what God wants to do. In this crazy era that we live in, when it seems like so many people feel defeated, that it's over, we should throw in the towel. There's never been a better time for us to be the church. But we have to be filled so that we can pour out. We've got to be responsible for our own spiritual well-being and, 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 and understand that I've got to take steps to have a personal devotional life. If we're going to love Jesus, then we have to love others. It's my job to count the cost to ministry and follow Jesus because that's what he's called me to do. And it's far time that I stop focusing on other believers and being critical of them and that my focus be on God. How can you continue to change me? How can you continue to soften my heart? How can you continue to, to grow these arms so that I can love even more people in my life? Because that's what the church is. It's not this building. It's us. Would you stand to your feet this morning? I want to pray for you, and then Adrian and our worship team are going to lead us one more time. And man, Adrian, can I say something to you, brother? I am proud of you for the growth that we have seen in you. I mean, man, you, you, you led this worship team this morning, man, knocked in, knocking it out of the park. And worship team, phenomenal job. Presence of God here this morning. Thank you for using your gifts and talents to help us enter into his presence. God is good. He is faithful. And church, he loves you. He loves you. Lord, as we leave this place today, God, we're, we're not leaving here sad. We're leaving here grateful. We've got a church that loves you. And because we love you, there is a calling placed upon us to love others in our family, our neighbors, our community. Have you more there as well? Jesus is if we have Jesus in us. Lord, this morning I pray for those who are spiritually starving. God, fill them up. The fish is already on the fire. God, help us to be responsible, to grow up, to, to Lord, just not expect to be bottle fed, but God, that we would have a desire in us to grow and mature in you. Lord, help us to love you and to love others. Lord, help us to count the cost of ministry. We understand that reaching our community that doing ministry will cost us some things, cost us some comfort, cost us some resource. But God, it is worth it when one person comes to know you as their Lord and Savior. And Lord, help us to not be critical in the days ahead. There, are, there will be people who will join this church 
that will be very different from who we are, that are different from each one of us individually. And that's okay. Because God, you are an infinitely creative God. And there is enough room in your kingdom for all kinds because you made all kinds of people, all different ways, that look different, that have different personalities. And your church is big enough for them all. Lord, we give you praise this morning as we go into Memorial Weekend. We celebrate with family and friends. Lord, may we be full. May you use us, God. May we be humble. And may you use us to love on some others this weekend. To just love on them. To encourage them. To not belittle, but to lift them up. To inspire them. Not because something's so great about us, but because you're so great. And you do something in us. Lord, we give you praise, glory, and honor. And Lord, as we end this service with a time of worship, God, would you do what only you can do? And Lord, at this point in time, we pray over our offering as well. We'll close today with worship, with two more songs. Lord, we pray over our offering, that Lord, we would give with hearts of worship. Lord, that you would take what comes in and that we would be able to do more with it than we ever thought possible. Because, Lord, we want to be a church that blesses our community, that does ministry effectively. We give you praise, glory, and honor. And God's people said, amen. Adrian, would you lead us one more time and then dismiss us? In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength my song this cornerstone this solid ground firm through the fiercest drought and storm what heights of love what depths of peace when fears are still when striving cease my comforter my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone, my hope, fullness of God in helpless faith, this gift of love and righteousness. Scorned by the ones he came to save Till on the cross as Jesus died Though every step of God in the ground His body lay Light of the world by darkness slain Then bursting forth From the grave he rose again, and as he stands in victory, sin's curse has lost its grip on me, for I am his, and he is mine, bought with the precious blood.
of your memorial weekend and as you finish out um, remember those who have gone before us to serve our country and all that God's done for you.
Have a great Sunday.